Welcome and thank you so very much for joining us on today's segment of Making a Difference Through Mentorship, where we believe that you can make a difference in somebody's life through biblical principles and precepts. That's the aim of these podcasts, is to share principles and precepts from the Word of the Lord, or truth that transforms, making the world a better place. Today is part three of the series of podcasts that we've entitled, God Wants You to Be Happy. Happiness can be defined as an emotional state characterized by feelings of joy, satisfaction, contentment, and fulfillment in life. We also, in previous podcasts, have talked about the reality that Jesus, I dare say, was the happiest person to ever live based on the authority of God's word. Proverbs chapter 8, verses 30 and 31, speaking of Jesus as wisdom in the Living Bible further supports the fact of Jesus' happiness as he teaches us in verse 30. He says, I was the craftsman at his side. I was his constant delight, rejoicing always in his presence and how happy I was with what he created, his wide world and all his family of mankind. And so young men, listen to me for how happy are all who follow my wisdom's instructions. There are a total of nine Beatitudes or attitudes that we are to be in Matthew chapter five, even through the hardships and difficulties of life. Second Peter one verse three in the Amplified Bible reminds us for his divine power has bestowed on us absolutely everything necessary for a dynamic spiritual life and godliness through true and personal knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. An attitude refers to a set of emotions, beliefs, and behaviors toward a particular object, person, thing, or event. My attitude towards God's word is Peter just declared to us, he's given us divine power, absolutely everything for a dynamic spiritual life. My attitude towards that is that I'm rejoicing in the fact that I've got everything that I need in him. Attitudes are often the result of experience or the way a person was raised and our attitudes have a powerful influence over behavior. Attitudes can further be defined as a certain perspective or state of mind. Each of the attitudes that we are to be in the Beatitudes begins with blessed are. The word blessed in each of these nine uh, examples simply means happy. And in some translations, it actually says, happy are you. The Bible says Jesus opened his mouth in Matthew 5 and 2. Jesus opened his mouth and taught them saying. In other words, what is implied in this passage by Jesus is that we have to be taught to be happy from God's perspective. In today's podcast, we continue in verse number five of Matthew chapter five, where Jesus says in the Amplified Version, blessed, happy, joyous, spiritually prosperous with life, joy and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outward conditions are the meek, the mild, patient, long-suffering, for they shall inherit the earth. The major theme of Matthew 5 and 5 is 
the, the character or leadership trait of meek or meekness. The word meek means to have a strong but tender and live a humble life. A meek man or woman is strong, yet they have a teachable spirit. The meek are disciplined because this person is God-controlled. The opposite of meekness is arrogance or pride. In many persons, there is an air of superiority about them because of their title, tag, or position. A meek person knows that they do not have all the answers. Their whole spirit, soul, and body are governed and led by the Lord. As noted in Romans 8 and 14, they that are led by the spirit, they are the sons of God. That word led in the original Greek is ego. So it is either the ego, the leading of the spirit, or the ego of our soul that includes our personality and our temperament. The mind is constantly disciplined in a meek man or woman's uh, constitution or makeup. The mind is constantly disciplined, pursuing the mind of Christ, where conduct, speech, and behavior are always submitted and under the jurisdiction of the Lord. To be a meek person is synonymous with humility, where Jesus says in the Amplified Version of Luke 14 and 11, for everyone who exalts himself or lifts themselves up, will be humbled before others. And he who habitually does it consistently, he who habitually consistently humbles himself, keeps a realistic self-view, that's the one that will be exalted. There's a Jewish rabbi by the name of Hillel who states, my humiliation is my exaltation, and my exaltation is my humiliation. This proverb simply means that Jesus has taken over a person's life and exalts, exalts us, lifts us as we keep a realistic self-view, lowering ourselves, posturing or um, prostrating ourselves before him in humility. Philippians 2 verses 3 and 5 in the New International Version declares, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Verse 4, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Verse 5, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. Selfish ambition in this text can be understood as motivation to elevate oneself or to put one's own interests before others. It is a self-above-others approach. The Greek term here carries with it a connotation of conscientiousness and argumentative. In fact, the King James Bible translates selfish ambition as strife. Vain conceit means excessive pride or self-esteem that has no foundation in reality. Vain conceit is an elevated and incorrect sense of self. Therefore, the Bible says doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit means not letting our actions be motivated by selfishness, pride, or one-upmanship, valuing others above ourselves. It's hard to be self-important when you're considering others as more important. In the Passion Translation of Philippians 2 and 5, Paul says, And consider the example that Jesus the Anointed One has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. A mindset is a mind that is set on what it's set on. In other words, 
All that we can say and do is to be set on Jesus' example and his motivation. Motivation means the needs, desires, passions, wants, or what drives a person from within that nobody else knows about but you and I individually. It is the process of stimulating people to an action. That's what motivation does. It stimulates a person to an action that involves the biological, the body, the emotional, the soul, the social, what we have learned and experienced in the past, our sense of right and wrong, and the way that we think that influences behavior. All of this is wrapped up in motivation. Some of you may recall Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion of Christ. And if you've seen the movie, there were some difficult scenes in that movie. But one of the things that as I meditated on the movie itself, one of the things that the Lord, I believe, impressed on my heart was to ask this question. Well, what was the passion of Christ? When we look at all that Jesus went through, his passion was to die and not live. Jesus knew when he was born in that manger in Bethlehem, he knew that he was not born to live, but he was born to die. So his passion was not to live, but to die. So he endured the 39 lashes. He endured the, the nailing um, of himself to the cross. He endured the spear in his side. He endured the crown of thorns on his head because it was all a part of his passion to die and not live so that you and I can live. That was Jesus' motivation. Jesus preached the beatitude of Matthew 5 and 5 in his passion, and then he lived it. Jesus' meekness was not weakness, but he was full of all the emotions and ability to take and conquer, but able to control himself. <clears throat> Excuse me. When they arrested Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane to take him away in Matthew chapter 26, Peter stretched out his hand and drew his sword struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. In verse 52 of Matthew 26, Jesus said, put your sword in its place for all who take the sword will live by or who will perish by the sword. In verse 53, Jesus then says, do you think that I cannot now pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? John's description of Jesus' arrest in the garden in the 18th chapter and the third verse in the New International Version speaks of a detachment of soldiers that had come to arrest Jesus with weapons. And, and, and at a minimum, this detachment of was more than 200 soldiers. It was Jesus' meekness. His passion was his submission to his father's will, void of any weakness that was demonstrated as an example for you and I on that night. When you're falsely accused, criticized, ostracized, and pushed aside. The character trait of meekness is strength beyond our human strength given to us by God. Because the meek are disciplined and God-controlled, attributes and character traits of a person that is happy, and their happiness is in their obedience to the will of God for their lives. A meek man or woman that has submitted and committed to the truth of Matthew 16, verses 24 and 26, where Jesus commands, if anyone wishes to follow me, to be my disciple, he must deny himself, set aside selfish interests, and take up his cross, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come, and follow me, believing in me, conforming to my example in living, and if need be, 
suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me. Verse 25, for whoever wishes to save his life in this world will eventually lose it through death. But whoever loses his life in this world for my sake will find it. That is life with me for all eternity. Verse 26, for what will it profit if a man gains the whole world, wealth, fame, success, but loses or forfeits his soul? In this passage in the original Greek translation, Jesus uses the same word for life and soul, which is suke. The word in the New Testament, the word suke finds its definition in the Old Testament Hebrew understanding of nephes, N-E-P-E-S, which is translated life, breath, or soul. In Genesis 2 and 7, the Bible says, And the Lord God, whom, who made man out of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. The New Testament understanding of suke encompasses the whole person, spirit, soul, and body. When Jesus said in Matthew 16 and 26, what will it profit a man if he gains all the wealth, fame, and success of the world and then die, leave it all behind, and spend eternity empty-handed? If a person misses this, that person has missed everything. Contentment, satisfaction, and the theme of this podcast, happiness, are not found in wealth, fame, fortune, or the success of this world. It is found and discovered in obedience to God's word. And this requires meekness, an attribute of a happy man or woman of God. Then in Matthew 5 and 6 of the Beatitudes or the attitudes that we are to be, Jesus says, blessed and fortunate and happy and spiritually prosperous in that state in which the born again child of God enjoys his favor and salvation are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, uprightness and right standing with God for they shall be completely satisfied. So the emphasis in Matthew 5 and 6 in this beatitude is on biblical righteousness, which embodies both the private and the public, both personal holiness and social justice. This vision of righteousness brings about the healing and renewal we so desperately need in our world today. Biblical righteousness always involves repentance as we see in David's life in the Passion Translation of Psalm 51, verses 10 through 13, when he said to the Lord, Create a new clean heart within me. Fill me with pure thoughts and holy desires, ready to please you. May you never reject me. May you never take from me your Holy Spirit. Let my passion for life be restored, tasting joy in every breakthrough you bring to me. Hold me close to you with a willing spirit that obeys whatever you say. Then I can show the other guilty ones how loving and merciful you are. They will find their way back home to you, knowing that you will forgive them. After the murder of his friend Uriah and the adulterous relationship that he had with Uriah's wife Bathsheba, Nathan the prophet revealed David's sins, transgressions, and iniquities. Sin is always that which is upwards towards God. Transgression means trespass or that which we do to one another. And iniquities are, is that which has been and twisted on the inside of us. After Nathan revealed David's sins, transgressions, and iniquities, David repented and experienced the grace and mercy of God. Where would any one of us be without the grace and mercy of God? Through all of his wrongs, David still hungered and thirst for righteousness. 
He wanted to be right with God again. When America, when our nation, men and women of every ethnicity, nationality, socioeconomic background, hunger and thirst for righteousness, beginning with the repentance of sin, we will experience the grace and mercy of God. And there will then that's when we will experience a modern day Pentecost as recorded in Acts chapter two, where a rushing mighty wind sweeps over the earth and the power of the Holy Ghost will, conti will continue to fulfill the prophecy of Joel chapter two, beginning at the 28th verse in the New International Version, where God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Verse 32, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion, the place where God dwells, and in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance as the Lord has said. Salvation, a person must call on the name of the Lord. To call on him means to trust him. Acknowledging the Lord to be the only living and true God who can save us from our sin, transgressions, and iniquities. To call on the Lord also means that a person acknowledges the Lord as the master of his life. It means that that person is surrendering his life or her life to be the servant of God. Salvation is what makes God happy. Deliverance of humankind is what makes God happy. The Bible says in Ezekiel 33 and 11, and as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come back to him. Because at the father's, in the father's house, there are many mansions there. The table is spread and the feast of the Lord is going on. He's invited every man, every woman, every boy and girl to come and dine at his table of salvation. What makes God happy is when people get saved and delivered from sin. When we see our husbands and wives saved and delivered, this is happiness. When we see our sons and daughters saved and delivered, this is happiness. When we see our co-workers and supervisors saved and delivered, this is happiness. When we see the drug addict and the drunkard come off of their drugs and alcoholic binges, this is happiness. When we see the prostitute clean up her life by receiving the water of the word of God, this is happiness. When we see our politicians, both national and local, saved and delivered, this is happiness. When we see America, when we see our nation saved and delivered and become one nation under God, this is what makes God happy and this is what makes you and I happy. No matter how bad or how difficult things may become, Jesus says, blessed, happy, joyous, spiritually prosperous, with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Spiritual prosperity is an independent joy, a mindset that takes no thought or, 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 or it occurs as a mindset that occurs even through our pain, sorrow, grief, loss, tears, and fears. The things that are occurring in our society, wars and rumors of war, the mass, the mass shootings all across our country, 
rising to an epidemic state. Oh, God, help us. But blessed, God says, is and happy is that person who is the meek one who turns to the Lord, for he is our help and our salvation, our hope in our time of sorrow. Jesus, in this passage of Matthew 5 and 5, saying, blessed, happy, joyous, spiritually prosperous, going well in life is what the word prosperous means. He's describing the inner well-being and state of a believer who is trusting in him, which produces a life joy that is completely untouchable and unassailable by the events in life. There was a commercial, or, or, or many years ago, you may remember, Weebles Wobble, but they don't fall down. This was a child's toy that would, you could punch it, you could kick it, it would weeble, but it would never fall down. It would bounce right back up again. Well, the Bible says the just man falleth down seven times, but gets back up again. There will be some times where it feels like life has knocked you down to the ground, but weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. And a just man or woman, a meek man or woman, is one that may fall down seven times, but gets back up again. This beatitude further describes the spiritually prosperous person who lives above the common fray of this world's everyday gravity of negativity in meekness. A meek person knows that they do not have all the answers, but they know the one who has all the answers. So Peter declares, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you of a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Fear not in the sense of trembling, fear in the reverence of the Almighty God. This attitude that we are to be here in Matthew 5 and 5 also describes a joy that is completely independent of all life situations. Life is not full of chances, but rather choices. Let me say that again. Life is not full of chances, but rather choices. And the believing believer chooses to believe the promise of Romans 8 and 28. And we know, we're not guessing, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. In this trait of meekness, Jesus is further describing a life free from daily cares and worries because they know as they have submitted their lives unto the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and the prince of peace and the increase of his government over the believing believer's life shall have no end. From this perspective, obeying the command of the Lord in 1 Peter 5 and 7, when he said to cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you and me. This is the person whom Jesus describes as blessed, happy, joyous, spiritually prosperous, founded in righteousness, which rests ultimately on and in the love of God. An example, a sign and a symbol of happiness identified in the character of God alone. It's not in a person's power or prestige. It's not in fortune or fame. It's in God alone. So Zachariah says, it's not by might nor by my power, but it's by the spirit of the living God. This is the spiritually prosperous person, one who has an intimate personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. This is the person who is the recipient of God's favor, experiencing a blessedness and life joy because God has been gracious to that person in providing salvation. 
The Apostle Paul says in the Passion Translation of Romans 7, beginning at the 24th verse, what an agonizing situation I am in. And we have to be honest with ourselves. Every day is not Sunday. There are some days that you feel like crying more than you feel like smiling. But Paul acknowledges the fact of this, of this human condition when he says, what an agonizing situation I'm in. Who has the power to rescue? Talking about himself. Who has the power to rescue? Calling himself this miserable man from the unwelcome intruder of sin and death. Sin is an unwelcome intruder in our lives. Deaths, death is an unwelcome intruder in our lives. The things that would try and kill the spirit of God within us is what he's talking about. Who will rescue, Paul says, this miserable man from the unwelcome intruder of sin and the things that would try and cause my spiritual death? Paul goes on to say in the 25th verse, I give all my thanks to God for his mighty power has finally provided a way out through our Lord Jesus Christ the anointed one. So if left to myself, the flesh is aligned with the law of sin. In other words, if I do my own thing, I'm going to be left to my own way. Jonah had to pay his own fare because he didn't do, he didn't go God's way. So Jonah had to pay his own fare. He told him to go to Nineveh. He went the other way and God said, all right, you're going to end up paying your own fare. And that's exactly what he did. We don't want to have to pay our own fare. We want Jesus to be the captain of our ship. And the motivator of our lives. So Paul says, if left to myself, my flesh will line up with sin. But now my renewed mind, a transformed mind, is fixed on and submitted to God's righteous principles. Well, what are those righteous principles that our minds are to be fixed on and submitted to? It's what we've discussed in today's podcast in part three. The Beatitudes or the attitudes that we are to be of Matthew 5 and 5, meekness. And the continual never-ending hunger and thirst for righteousness of Matthew 5 and 6. This is a part of the plan that God has for us. To be blessed, happy, and spiritually prosperous. This hungering and thirsting signifies a continual craving of the soul. A metaphor for an intense longing and desire. It is a matter of spiritual life or spiritual death. And meekness is never weakness. It is strength under control. When you and I cooperate with God's plan for our lives in accordance with the Beatitudes of Matthew chapter 5, he produces a kind of life in us where Jesus says the same thing nine different times. Blessed, happy, spiritually prosperous are those that follow what I'm teaching. And in the latter portion of Matthew 5 and 6 in the Amplified Version, Jesus says they shall be completely satisfied. And what will completely satisfy us is knowing that we know God wants you to be happy.